0: Well, good morning, family. For those of you watching online, I'm glad you're you're with us too and we are have have you asked yourself or God or someone in the last year, what in the world's going on? I've asked that question a lot. And um and trying to figure out some things. I, I think um, this is where we're going. I, I want to, I think the answer to that question is back to the beginning. So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to take a look back at, back to the beginning. And you know the, the amazing thing about God's word um, is it wasn't, the Bible is not designed for you to um, get all of its mysteries the first time you read it. Uh, that's just, it's, it's, um, it's, design, it's not designed to give up all of its secrets the first time you read it. And it's also interestingly designed that right from the beginning it assumes you know things that you couldn't have known if you only started there. In other words, you find things out further down the road that help you understand what this was all about back here. Because the way it was written, it was written so that you and I would meditate on it, the Word of God, the Bible. That we would, we would rehearse it, we would go over it. So, you know, most books a person gets, you get a book, a fiction book, or a biography, autobiography, whatever, and you read it, and then when you get done, you, you've read it, you got it, you, you know the whole thing, you kind of know the story. And uh, in some books, all you have to do is read the last chapter, and you got it. But the point is that once you get it, it's over. With the Bible, you don't even get all of its secrets when you read it through again and again more comes out it's meant to be meditated on and as you meditate on it then truth starts to arise and we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute but let's go to Genesis chapter 1 and uh, verse number 26 we'll start there where everything kind of fell apart because up until that time, things were going pretty good. God created, everything was good. And uh, so he says in, in Genesis 1:26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. So, and then he said, have dominion over the fish the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. There's two main things that, well, there's three, but two things that really come out in this text right now. It, number one is, that it's, the, the scripture says he made us in his image. Adam and Eve were made, male and female, were made in the image of God. That's pretty good. That's pretty special. That's pretty important. When he made us in, in his image, what, what do we, how are we in his image? Well, we're in his image in the fact that we have creative abilities, that we've been given because of God's free will and free choice, the capacity to love. God's highest character quality is love. We have the capacity to love. There's a lot of things in there that, that we are like him. And then he says, and you see this twice in these, you know, one in each of these verses, he says, you're to have dominion, you're to rule. Dominion is rulership. So you're to have dominion, and that rulership was given to us, and, uh, and we're supposed to um, be fruitful and multiply. We've done that pretty good, <laughs> right? Though I, I am bothered by, just a side note, I am bothered by this idea that we're overpopulated. That is so ridiculous. So you say, well, we're pretty populated. Did you know that you can take the entire world's population and put it into this uh, in, at the density level of New York City and place the entire world population in the state of Texas? Everybody. If everybody lived at the same density as the city of New York, everybody would fit in a in the state of Texas, so you could have, you know, Africa and Europe and Asia and all of that empty. We could all live there in Texas, don't move there now, but (laughs) but we could all live there at that same density and have the entire world would be empty of people. And people say, we're just too, have you flown over the United States? any country. There's so much land. But there's people thinking we have too many people on this planet. We better stop it. I think that's God's choice. It shouldn't be ours. And I think if we did things better, everybody would have plenty to live on. But um, that's for another time. I, I want you to notice that He's given us dominion, authority. He gave them dominion and authority. And he gave them everything. Look at, it says in verse 29, and, he, and God said, See, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, at, uh, it, it shall be for food. Also, every beast of the earth and every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, In which there is life. I have given every green herb for food and it was so. Say every. 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 He keeps saying that. I've given you everything. And God saw everything that he had made. Indeed, it was very good. He gave them everything. It's all yours. In the garden. Then, verse 16, it says, and the Lord God commanded the men, saying, of every tree of the garden you may may freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, In the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. And uh, so why did God give them an option? Because without an option, there's no free will. Understand, there has to be an option. If there's no option, if everything you have is in fact according to the will of God, then you cannot, then where do you go to make a choice? There is no choice. And so God gave them a choice. He also gave them direction, the best choice. The best choice is don't eat of that tree. He told them what the consequences were. If they ate from that tree, you have all the trees, everything's yours. This one, you can't have. Okay? It's not good for you. It'll kill you. So, what does Adam and Eve do? You know, wet paint, don't touch. Now, we don't know how long they were in the garden. We don't know how many, you know, trees they tasted. We don't know all of that kind of thing. But then enters the serpent. And the serpent, the the snake, animal that was that was um, taken over by the kingdom by the the spiritual being who is our enemy, the 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 king or or the god of, now the god of this world, Satan, the devil. He took over and he began his disinformation campaign. And he started this campaign to, to, to lie and to uh, deceive the people who had the dominion, Adam and Eve. He wanted to, to, um, he wanted to expand his, re, his rebellion. He was in rebellion against God, and he wanted to expand his rebellion against God with human beings. Now, it, this, none of this was done without God knowing what was happening, knowing that free, free choice uh, would have consequences, but also knowing that it was the only way in which human beings could actually have the capacity to love. There's no capacity to love without free will. And so for God... God's willingness to have a being that was like him and love him would also mean a tremendous amount of sacrifice on God's part because of his holiness and so he offers but verse 1 of chapter 3 now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made and he said to the woman has God indeed said now this this snake is talking now, don't think, you know, we think, hey, you know, we're sophisticated. We know snakes don't talk. You know, they weren't. They, they probably thought snakes, t- no. <laughs> they didn't think snakes talk, talked either. Right. That, this is not, I, I've heard people say, well, in the garden, all the animals talked. That sounds cool, but it doesn't say that. It said the snake did. Because the snake was, in fact, empowered by a very strong demonic force. And it seems like the snake was a beautiful animal. It didn't look like your garden variety snake. Now, it, the, the snake, that's how you appear it. But it wasn't that way. In fact, after the curse, something changed. But this animal was, in fact, a very beautiful animal. And now it's empowered by Satan himself. And... It speaks. Now, that would get your attention. It got Eve's attention. And it was cunning. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, what is he doing? He's he's, he's giving doubt to what God has said. Now, I want you to catch this because what we're looking at is a pattern. His modus operandi, he is... He's going to do, this is what he does. The devil uses the same tricks over and over again. Why? Because they actually work. They work on us. He is smart, cunning, and evil. But he does know what he's doing in that regard. That that in his realm, he's very good at it. So he brings, first of all, it's really an accusation against God. Has God truly said you shall not eat of the tree of the garden. Bring in doubt first. Well, did God say, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, God said that. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of every fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it. Now, she, she did quote that right. Then she added, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, there's no record that he actually said that you shouldn't touch it. Probably a good idea not to, but God did not say it. In other words, what she does is she adds to what God has said. Listen, it's very dangerous both to add to or take away from anything that God has said. And that's why God has given us a hard copy of the things he said. It's called the Bible. So that we can stay true And we can check to see the things that God has said and what God has not said. It's good to have a hard copy of what God said and to know it. Then the servant said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So he appeals to her desire, but he also accuses God. That God is lying and God is trying to keep something good from you. He uses this still, folks. Absolutely uses this still. This is his strategy. And what we're seeing here at the beginning is that, and we're going to see it more clearly as we move forward in this, is that there's two kingdoms at work now here. There is the kingdom of God and God's will and God's way. It's his kingdom. He is the king of his kingdom. And there is a kingdom of darkness. By the way, they're not equal. The devil and God aren't just two sides of, of one. You know, they're not, they're not just equal in, in power and strength. It isn't that way. The devil was actually created by God, given free will, given a pretty high position, probably an archangel at one point, and had, was fallen. So, um made a choice out of the free will that he was given. And, uh, but he, they're, they're not equal. But he has a kingdom. And he was trying to expand his rebellion. He's trying to expand his rebellion to human beings. That's where he's going with this. He wants humans to operate in their rebellion just like he, he does. And so he tells her that God is trying to keep something good from you because he knows. Boy, is that, is that deception still going today? Isn't that amazing? I mean, this is, not, this is not a small part. This is a huge part of our culture right now that says, you know, all the things God says about, you know, living holy lives and purity and sexual purity and relationship and marriage and family and all those kinds of things, we live in a culture that is already spouting that those things, God is trying to keep you from things that are really good. Listen, that's not the, the, the way you ought to live. It isn't really the best way. That's what they're saying. They're saying you go down that way, you're just in bondage. And, and yet, you know, God has said this is the way that, that, and he gives us, he has given us the way to live out our lives, the actual best way, but most of all, his will according to his way. And so the serpent says, you know, what really is going to happen, your eyes are going to be open. You'll be open. Your eyes will be woken. You'll be, you'll, you'll come alive. You'll be awake. All of these things are coming if you'll just eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, what, what is that? What's the knowledge of good and evil? Listen, there was no evil. For them to have knowledge of until then, this time. Everything is good. And now they will have a knowledge. In fact, they don't even have a knowledge of what is good. It just is what it is. It's good. What they have is just good, but they don't have a knowledge of good. They're just, that's where they live. But now they're gonna have a knowledge of good and evil. And the knowledge of evil brings with it a temptation toward evil and with it obviously great destruction they are not aware of the destruction they're about to bring upon the you know mankind the world they're not aware of what they're about to do they're ignorant of the fact of the power of this choice as we are we're ignorant of our, many of our choices that we make that are either for God's way or against God's way. And we're ignorant of the, the ramifications of all of that. That's what sin is. It's very deceptive in that way. And it's why the Bible says, listen, if you would understand sin, the Bible says you should, you should absolutely hate it. It's so, many, so much of the time we play with it. We, we get close to it. We give in to it. We don't hate it because we don't know it fully. We don't know its consequences. We know what it is, but we do not know its consequences. And so, <clears> the <throat> sermon says, You're not going to die, for God knows in the day that you eat it, you'll, your eyes will be open. You'll be, no, you'll be like God. And the woman saw the tree that, that it was good. For food and that it was pleasant, look at how, how it started. She saw it then and, and then she desired it, the tree uh, desirable to make one wise. She took it uh, of its fruit and she ate it. She also gave to her husband. This is a pattern of sin and temptation. It runs down that road. We see it, we desire it, and we take it. The moment we see it, if we turn from it, we'll be in better shape. But there's a better way to respond to it, and we'll talk about that in a minute. She also gave her husband, gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves on together, uh, sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves coverings. Now, what has happened is the first consequence of their sin is shame. Shame comes first, and then hiddenness. They hide themselves. They hide themselves from God. They hide themselves from one another. That's what, that's what the shame of sin does. And it separates. It divides. Intimacy is broken. Openness is destroyed. And that has passed down through the human race. It's passed down. It's the shame of sin that causes us to hide from one another and be bound within that in our, in our hiding from God we we separate and that's what they did and so they heard the sound of the lord god walking in the garden in the cool of the day can you imagine that that kind of joyful intimate relationship with god how he has lowered himself to to love and commune with us it's amazing And the problem is that, you know, sometimes um, familiarity breeds contempt. Maybe they got so familiar, they didn't recognize what an amazing thing it was to be able to walk and talk with God. But now they will. Now they will, unfortunately. And so... And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Now he's not calling because he doesn't know where they are. He's calling because he wants him, wants them to reveal where they are. God asks us that question. I believe God's asking people that question right now. Right where you are, where are you? So I'm in church, I'm sitting here in church, or watching online at home. Watch- I'm watching a sermon. I'm in a good place. Sometimes God asks us, See, sometimes you can be very close to God and still be running from him. You can be in near in presence, but still hiding some areas of your life from God. I've asked this question a couple times in the last month, I want to ask it again. Is there any area in your life that God is working on right now? Is there a a place? Is there there an element in your thought life? Is there activity? Is there things that you shouldn't be doing that you're doing? Or things you should be doing and you're not doing and God is working on your life? I'm I'm not saying that, you know... I'm not saying that all of our lives are filled with sin, but there are areas in our life, I'm sure. Listen, if we're all growing and our our desire and God's will for sure is that we're more like Jesus, the question is how much closer are we becoming like Jesus today in our life? How much am I... Be, if, if I'm not moving in that direction, I'm moving backwards. And so I believe that if we're in intimate relationship with God God is not like a driven father trying to you know drive us he's a loving father that wants most of all to be in relationship with us but while he's in relationship with us he's helping us he's 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 nudging us gently that's what the holy excuse me the holy spirit does gently forward If you can get that picture, I think it's the accurate one of the way that the Lord is working in so many of our lives. And so, he said, uh, I I heard, so, by the way, Adam doesn't respond. He just says, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God says, and he said, who told you that you're, you're naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? God knows the answer to that one, too. Yeah, that's the problem. And the man said, listen, he asked him if he ate from the tree, and the man's response isn't, yes, I ate from the tree. Here's the man's response. The woman you gave me, she's the one. She gave me of the tree, and I ate. It's a woman's fault. I kind of agree with him sometimes. Actually, I'm very grateful that Eve ate the fruit first. Because <laughs> if it wasn't the case, guys, we'd be having babies. And that, just isn't, that just <laughs> doesn't seem right. So. <clears throat> so the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you've done? No, she doesn't respond, well, I didn't believe you and was tired of always doing what you wanted me to do. I didn't like that you didn't want me to eat of that one tree. Why'd you put it there in the first place? It's your fault. No, the woman doesn't respond that way. She responds this way. The serpent deceived me and I ate. So neither one of them take responsibility. So the Lord talks to the serpent. Because you've done this, you're cursed. More than all the other animals, on your belly you'll go. Now that's kind of unfair to the, it seems like to the animal. But that animal was, was taken up by the devil. I don't know how that all worked out. But this is what I do know. God is going to pronounce a judgment on the devil that that tells us you want to know where we are you want to know why we're where we are this gives us insight he says to Satan I will put enmity between you and the woman okay there's a division between you and the woman between your seed and her seed What's that? Well, he gives us more information. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is actually the first mention of Jesus in the Bible. Say, where? The seed of the woman. That will bruise or crush. Some of your translations will have the word crush. I think it's actually better. Will crush the head, because we see in in the book of... uh, of Romans as well where it, there is a crushing of Satan's head. There's a crushing and there's a death blow to the devil and his kingdom. That is coming down the road. The seed of the woman. And he will bruise your heel. And of course we know what happened on the cross with Christ. But on the cross the kingdom of darkness that had a complete foothold and let me tell you what happened what we're not seeing here remember when i said that god well, when god said i give I give you dominion you have rulership you have authority he was offering mankind a joint rulership he in, in of his creation that's what he's offering us joint rulership with god by the way that's our destiny just to throw that in. Our destiny is a joint rulership with God. But he was offering him and he gave them the authority, the dominion. What they did when they opened up and they invited the devil's lie and submitted to the devil's will, the moment they did that, they were submitting their authority to the devil. And how we know that of course, as we read through the scriptures, we discover that the, that the devil becomes the God, little g, God of this world. Because they had given him their authority when they submitted to the devil. And so, the devil, if you're wondering what's, what, why is this world a mess? Where are these wars and evil? And where is all the you know, pain and suffering in this world? Why is there so much that goes on in this world in that way? Why all the sickness and, and suffering and all of that? Because the God of this world, because our first parents gave the authority to the devil. They offered what God had given them to the kingdom of darkness. And he has been in, in operation in this kingdom working through his kingdom of darkness in this world constantly bringing destruction and mayhem in this in this world and he's he's good at it he's very good at it he knows his stuff and he knows how it works in this in this kingdom but what what promise this promise that's come to, you know, at this point, at the time of the curse, is the promise that there is one who is going to come. And he will, in fact, crush Satan's head. And he did it at the cross. And because of that, the Spirit of God, the, the promise of God, the Spirit of God in believers, in Christians, now is an invasion. Upon the kingdom of darkness that's in this world. And if you wonder why there's such division. That happens through this world. In the way that it happens in this world. It's because of that very thing. Because now there is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of darkness at odds. Two seeds. And we see that... um, That Adam and Eve, I mean, they're they're brought into this world now because of that, there's a curse. And the curse actually becomes a blessing. God says in verse number, um, the end of verse number 17, he says, Cursed is the ground for your sake. He says, even the curse is actually for the sake of Adam and Eve. Say, how does that work? Well, because a toil. It says, in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles. It shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. So he says, you're going to have to work. You're going to have to labor. You're going to put more work in than you're going to get back out of it. It says, all of this is going to happen. He says, and it's good for you right now that it happens that way. Because if you don't toil... You're going to go down the road. You're going to be listening more to the, the kingdom of darkness instead of the kingdom of God, and this is good for you. You'll grow in the process. So when you have to get up tomorrow morning and go to work, thank you, Lord, for the toil. I know it's good for me. But God has a bigger plan than that. He wants to bless us in our life. And he wants us to live out our life in victory in such a way that we're not being constantly sucked into the lie and the deception of the world. And that's what's happening in much of our life today. So many people are are sucked into the philosophy of this world. In Colossians 2.8 it says this, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ it says you, you need to be alert to this strategy, this disinformation campaign that the enemy is, has is started back in the garden and continues on And it's always, there's always this this disinformation campaign going on. And there's always a battle. The Bible says it's a battle that comes to our mind. And there's a battle in the spirit that comes to us. Now, Adam and Eve encountered the devil, the deceiver, in the garden. And Jesus comes along the second Adam, and encounters the deceiver in the desert. Because because when you get deceived in the garden, it'll turn into the desert. And now Jesus is going to redeem in the desert. And the story is simple. I mean, it's the first thing that Jesus does after, you know, when he starts his ministry. First thing he does, he goes and gets baptized to fulfill all righteousness, not because he needed baptism, but to be, show us in a pattern. And by the way, just throwing it in there. Listen, if you haven't been baptized and you're, you've uh, accepted Christ, you need to get baptized. And it's not really an option. Um, not, not in God's mind. He, he didn't actually ask when you kind of feel a little bit more comfortable about doing this. You obey God and you get baptized in water. And we do it every third Sunday of the month. We're going to baptize again in a couple weeks, and I just encourage you, if you've not been baptized, plan on it. You know, move forward. Go forward. You grow in the things of God. Now, so Jesus, he gets baptized, and the first thing he does is he goes into the desert to have this encounter with the devil. What Adam and Eve did, because now he, Jesus, the God-man, is confronting, going to confront the devil, He's, he, he has to make choices on our behalf. He's a representative, as part of the human race. And nobody else could do this. You couldn't do this. You couldn't go in, you know, and do what Jesus did and succeed. You'd be wiped out. He'd find, this, he'd find the weakness in you and your character and what have you. And you, you know how I know that? Because you already have. We've already fallen. We've already submitted to. We've already made the decisions. We've, you know, how about even this week? Did, did, you, did you do something? Well, did you do something your own way instead of God's way? Did you make a decision that was contrary? Probably some of you did. All right. Maybe someone, someone in here do that. None of us could do this. What Jesus did, so he go. First of all, he fasts for forty days, and and he. The Bible says, and after forty days and forty nights afterward, he was hungry. So, I guess so. But this afterward and hungry is a different kind of hunger than just hungry. Like if I missed breakfast this morning, I'd be really hungry. I'm thankful. Well, you know, it for me fasting. Well, I do fast at periodic times, um, just being led by the Lord in doing that. But um, you know, I'm I'm hungry after the first meal. That not, but it's not real hunger. The hunger that this afterward and hungered is a hunger when your body is eating itself, its organs. The pain level is at that at 40 days or so, and Jesus is at that point. And it said, and now when when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now, what he does is he uses the exact same technique with Jesus as he did with Adam and Eve. And he questions what Adam and, you know, questions what Jesus has heard the father say. Remember, he questioned it. Did God say you know, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge, remember that? Now he says, did God say, you know, in this way, are you the son? You know, are you truly, did God say that you're the son of God? If you're the, if you're the son of God, he's doing the same thing. Because just 40 days earlier, when Jesus got baptized, he came up out of the water and, the, and God spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So now he says, if you are, are, are you? Really? Let's put some doubt here. What's going on in your life? Are you hungry? Now, you got some power, don't you? Haven't you been given some power? Why don't you turn that stone into bread? Be good. Nice nice sourdough loaf, warmed up, some butter. Why don't you turn it into bread? Now, listen. Listen. Doesn't God want you to eat? Doesn't God want you healthy? He didn't want you to starve to death. Isn't that true? Yeah, that's true. I think you could go along with that. God doesn't want you to starve starve yourself to death. Right? That's not what God wants. But he's asking him to do something. Something that maybe God wants. But in the devil's way. Because what God had done when he... Brought Jesus to us, is he? He uh, Jesus laid down his godly prerogatives, his, and lived as a human being, submitted to the Holy Spirit. In other words, everything that Jesus did is possible for a, a human being if they are filled with the Spirit at the level that Jesus was. And the Bible says he was filled without the the level of without measure. He was fully filled with the Spirit and was able to do miracles. But we're able to operate in some of those things as we follow in the Holy Spirit guides us. So everything Jesus did was to be done not by his own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now he has an opportunity to use his own power because the devil's trying to tempt him in the point, in his words he tempt him, in the point of his weakness. What is the weakness that the devil keeps going after in you? It's time to shore it up. It's time to get it stronger. Now, what we see here, and I know this is not new. Most of you have seen this. We've, you know, maybe we've taught about it in our classes. We so, but I wanna I wanna revisit this in this way. I do not believe most Christians use the method that Jesus used to to have victory over the devil. I believe that's the problem. The devil tells us, hey, why don't you turn? First of all, we'd go, I can't do that. But you know, but if he was tempting us to do something that we could do that we shouldn't do, a lot of the ways in which we operate in that is we try to, to downplay it or, or say, you know, I don't think I should do that or that wouldn't be a good idea or let me try to think of, a, you know, the bad consequences of that happening. And uh, or you know, and what we don't do is battle the same way Jesus did. And that's why let me tell you this is practical in all of our lives. This is in your marriage. This is in your family, this is raising your children, this is in your this is in your financial, you know. Life. it's in your careers, it's in every element of your life that you make decisions based upon and, and you battle when you get tempted in the same way as Jesus did. So what did Jesus do? You, you know, most of you know. What did Jesus do when he was confronted with that? What did Jesus do? I can hear you. Okay, he quoted the Bible. He quoted the scripture. He actually quoted from Deuteronomy. He answered. And he said, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, physical food is not as important as spiritual food. And God's word is the spiritual food that I'm, you're to live by. And he quotes the scripture. Because it's a a sword of the spirit because there's power in using the scripture. And most Christians, in my opinion, don't do that. And one of the reasons we don't do it is because we're not familiar enough with the scriptures. We don't have enough of the word of God in our heart to actually do that so we try other things, you know but let me tell you confronting the devil and saying pastor rick said is not going to get you anywhere it's not going to get you victory it's not going to it's not going to win anything you have to be the one to take that the word of god in on your own and feed your spirit with the word of God so that it's available. Isn't it interesting? Jesus quotes the scripture. He doesn't even have to go to find, you know, his scroll, his Old Testament Bible, and kind of go through it. Let me see. There's a. I remember there's a scripture here. No, he's got it in his heart. I don't, I don't know that God expects us to memorize the entire Bible. I don't think it's necessary, actually. I think... It is necessary that we get familiar with God's word enough that we know what God says and we can say, this is what the Lord says. And we can quote back, we can share back God's word because it confronts the deception and the lie. See, if the devil can't get you to outright rebel against God's will and God's way, he'll get you to do it your way or the devil's way to fulfill God's, what God has told you to do. You see, and we do that. We do it all the time. How to, do, we'll, we'll do things like, we'll raise our children today. I'm not picking on anybody particularly on this one, okay? Because I, I don't know who, but, and, and uh, you know, the, and I'm, I'm I'm saying this. Let me just say this ahead of time. If you miss church, you're not going to hell. Well, I don't know if you're going to hell, but it isn't because you miss church. (laughs) Okay. Um, That's not... But you know, if you get into a pattern where your family is not connected and sees the value of the body of Christ in the church... You're going to do damage. In the Bible says so not to forsake the assembly of ourselves. You're going to be doing damage to your family. But there are people today that have made choices. And I'm not picking on. There's other things I could talk about. I'm just talking about this one. That they made a decision for their kids. That their sports activities is much more important than being in church. And and so they, they, they're... They're, they, they're following through, and, and they're making sure that their kids are in their sports, but their kids aren't in church. And see, they have good—I won't, I won't put any bad motives in the, uh, toward them. I, I think that many, many parents—in fact, most parents want the best for their kid— they love their kid. They want good things. They want their kids to be successful and things. And sports is a good thing. I I coach sports for my kids when they were growing up. I love. I highly value what you learn in in te- in you know especially in team sports and all of that. I love it. Very important. But I know the sacrifices we made at times, simply because. Listen, I want the best for my kid. I want my kid to be athletically good, too. I want them to succeed in everything that they do. But I can't get to where I want them to be or where I think God wants them to be doing it my way or the devil's way. I have to do it God's way. So you get to God's will by going through God's way and that's what Jesus right now is dealing with he's going to do it God's way not the devil's way and he's going to have several temptations along the line in doing that and operating in that and and so listen this is in all of our life the different ways in which we face things in our lives is it just getting to what we think is the will of the Lord or is it doing it the way of the will of the Lord and so there's there's this temptation that happens, and first of all, he says, don't, you know, let's deal with the, the bread issue. And then, then, so, Jesus quotes the scripture, and look at what happens. The devil doesn't come back and go, yeah, 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 but, um, you know, I think God would be good be fine with you having some bread. No, it's been dealt with, because he quoted the scripture The temptation is dealt with. The devil has to submit to God's word. And now he goes into another one. He took him to the, the pinnacle of the temple. And he did something that is happening more in this generation than ever, I've ever seen in my lifetime. And that is the devil uses the Bible, misquotes the Bible... And and deals with the temptation by misquoting the Bible. So he takes him to the t- pinnacle of the temple. He says, Fall, go ahead, throw yourself off. Co- commit suicide. He says, but because but you can trust God on this one, because you know the, it, the 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 scripture says, and now the devil quotes the scripture: he shall give his angels a charge over you in their hand, and they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. Now, this is in a in the context of a very valuable scripture, scripture about God, you know, hiding in, in the Lord and his protection and all of that. And he quotes this scripture. The problem is it's out of context. And if it was in context, he would know that, you know, doesn't even, not only that it's in context, but in context of the scripture as a whole. And this is what's happening today. There's a lot of places where scripture be, are being given, out of context, preached about, and twisted, and there are people buying into it because they have not been willing to do the work to find out where and what that really is all about and what that scripture says and doesn't say. And that's happening today in many places, many churches. I don't think the majority, but in many churches, that is exactly what's taking place. And if we don't, you know, don't have the word of God, there are too many people that that temptation would say, yeah, I believe God. I, this is what his word says. Let's go. And Jesus, he puts it in context. He says, it's, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And in the last one, he takes them to a high mountain and he shows them all the kingdoms of the, of the world. He says, if you'll fall down and worship me, I'll give you all these. Isn't that interesting? Because Jesus does not say, well, the kingdoms aren't yours to give. Because they were. We, our first parents, gave them. Gave it away. And they were. So Jesus' response was not, you don't have, you don't have the right to give that. He didn't respond that way at all. His response was, listen, the scripture says that we're to worship the Lord thy God and him only shall we serve. So he quotes the scripture saying, no, I'm not worshiping you. What the devil is trying to do short is circuit, short circuit the way in which Jesus would get all the kingdoms of the earth. The way was through the cross. Be an easy, this is an easier way. We can go easier on you. This is an easy way to do it. Are you ready to go? Then let's just jump in. All you got to do is fall down and worship me, and I'm going to give you all this stuff. And people are doing it today. Many unknowingly. Submitting to the will and the philosophy of the world and the way the, the world operates and says, there's a shortcut for you. And you fall down and you worship the devil without recognizing that it's the devil you're worshiping. You're worshiping the, the idols of success and the idols of, of, uh, of power. The, the idols of mammon. And not, not even considering the way of, of God. And, and Jesus says the way to... Get there. See, God still wants me to have everything. But the way to get there is his way. It isn't my way. It isn't the devil's way. It's his way. And I need to do it his way. And I'm subject to. I'm tempted. The philosophy of this world is enticing. The way of the world is subtle. It's not going to get us there. Few weeks ago, I I was online. I, I mentioned a little bit about this story a little bit a few few weeks ago, but um, I was I was on online and there's this guy I know. I've known him for a long time. He really bugs me. Just really bugs me. I and and he trolls kind of. Along this kind of, um, I think it's, it's a political line, but it just seemed like what's, if, if you have one thing to say, he has the opposite to say. And so, um, and arrogantly. it's And I'm just telling you how bad he is. I, no, he's not that bad. I, I got really ticked. And he mentioned something, and I came back. And, and I, I came back a stronger than I should have, harder. And then he came back, and then I came back, and then he came back, and I came back. Finally, he, he quit. I think I got him. <laughs> I think I won the argument. But I might have lost the relationship. When it went away, when I was done, I thought, <laughs> I was kind of proud. Yeah, got it. You know, I was going for a goal. But somewhere I got distracted and started going down the line that isn't God's way of going down the line. shouldn't have. I mean, it's not just that I'm a Christian, I'm a pastor too. And I found out there's a lot of people who listen to what I say. Don't say anything, just watch. Oh yeah, I saw that one. That was... That was, well, yeah, that was. I was wondering where you're going with that. <laughs> and I'm thinking, how easily. Listen, this world's not going to be changed man's way. It isn't. I mean, the world's in a mess. And, and I'm not saying we don't get involved in things. I'm not saying that you don't. I'm not calling for the church to get out of politics, please. You need to, the Christians need to be involved. We need to be saying things. We need to, we need to, you know, we need to vote. We need to, we need to put a Christian emphasis and a godly emphasis in things. But I'm telling you, we're not going to change this world by being more like it. We can't. Our strength, our power, is doing it God's way, loving, loving one another, loving and obeying what God calls us to do. There's two kingdoms. Remember this, when you came to Christ, you were transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. That's where you are. You as a Christian, if you're a Christian, you're in God's kingdom. You, this is what Jesus did. The, the, the God of this world, his kingdom is being invaded. It's been invaded for 2,000 years. The kingdom of God, Jesus said this about the kingdom, it's going to keep growing like a mustard seed. It keeps growing. It's going to grow and grow and grow and grow. And it's growing. I mean, we're going to have some downturns and upturns. And then at some point, I believe in the near future, Jesus is going to invade this world, and he's setting up his kingdom because he's already won the victory, and now the victory is to be completed through his saints with him. And you, you might not feel like you're ready for this, but this is what the scripture says. The scripture says you will rule and reign with Christ. Rule rulership. You're going to have an authority. The Bible says we will judge angels. So there's some, fa- I think it's fallen angels, but I think, I don't know how that all works out, but we're judging. We're, you. See, I don't even want to do that. I'm not ready for that. Oh, he's making you. If, you le- if we learn, if we get God's word in this. I'm going to close with this. I am. Um, did I say that before? No, I didn't say that. I'm going to close with this. The, the scripture says if you meditate, like I said, this book, the Bible, is meant to be meditated. If you meditate on His Word day and night, then He'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. That's what God's Word says. And this is the time to do it. I've, heard, I've had guys come to me and say, you know, I don't like to read. Then listen. You can, you, can, you can turn the Bible on on your cell phone. On your radio. You can get, you know, get God's word in you. When I was younger and I read that, meditated on his word day and night, I decided to listen to the Bible At night, I'd go to sleep and put the Bible on. Now, that wasn't as easy a chore as it is today. Because that was before, that was before, you know, smartphones and uh, CDs and DVDs. And that was before cassette tapes. That was before 8-tracks. That was before (laughs) 4-tracks. They were vinyl, and you'd stack them on your, on your record player, and when one played out, the next one would. and I got the Bible, and I put it on, and I'd go to sleep, and my poor wife would happen to listen to some guy reading the Bible to us all night long. And I don't know how, I don't know how effective it was, but I can tell you, I'm just telling you, I just said, I've got to do this. I've got to meditate on God's word day and night because he gave me a promise that he would make my way prosperous and I, I would have good success. And you know what? It's true. I can tell you that. I can tell you that. Now, don't, don't compare me with others. You know, well, you're not as successful as someone, so and so and so. I've got, God's given me wonderful. I, I cannot complain. With, that promise has been fulfilled. In my heart. And I know. That there are many times. That I would have gone astray. Except the word of God is in my heart. Clearly. Deeply. In my heart. And it can be in all of our hearts. That's his desire. Father I thank you. Lord we all face the same kind of challenges. We live in a world that is so against your ways. We're constantly faced with it. And it's all around us. Lies, deception, inaccuracies, con- just, uh, just attacks upon, Lord, living out life like you intended it to. But, Lord, we have your word. We have what it takes. You've given us the Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that, that, Lord, we will, Lord, where adjustments need to be made in our life, we'll make them today. And today, we'll make decisions to get your word in our heart, one way or the other. So that we, too, when we face those times, Lord, we'll have what it takes to, to get victory in our life and to live it out in a way that, Lord, we can not only please you in what we do, but also in why we do it and how we do it, I pray. And I pray for anyone here that is watching online or in this building, if you're, you're far from God, you need Jesus in your life. This is the moment for you to do that. Don't wait now, today, right this minute, I want to invite you to just do the thing that Jesus made so simple, so easy. You just acknowledge him as Lord, Jesus Christ as Lord. You believe that he died and was buried and rose from the dead. And you just ask him, Jesus, please cleanse my soul from my sin. Forgive me of my sin. And help me to follow you. I choose you as my Savior and my Lord. And I choose to follow you from this day forward. I ask for your help. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you trust in Christ that way, salvation is yours. And I'm going to invite you to do this. Before you, before you, um, before anything else, you let us know that you accepted Christ as your Savior. Okay? Now I'm going to close in prayer. And those of you who need to go, I'm going to allow you to do that. Those of you who want to stay, we're going to have communion, and uh, it, it won't take long. But we're going to have communion together, and the ushers are already handing it out. So if you want it or not, you take you can take it, and uh, and then we'll um, we'll go ahead and uh, and worship the Lord. Okay, so let's lift our hearts to Jesus right now. Mm-hmm. worthy is your name Lord on the night that Jesus was to be betrayed he took the bread and he broke it and he said this is my body which is given for you when Jesus broke that bread he knew he was going to the cross and he knew He's going to be suffering he was taking beating cat of nine tails He's going to be Experiencing excruciating pain physically. But he would do that because our bodies, atonement needed to happen not just for, for our sins, but for the redemption of our bodies as well. So as we take this, maybe your body right now needs touch, needs a healing. By his stripes you were healed. Receive what God has for you in Jesus' name. That same night, he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant of my blood. As often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you show the Lord's death until he comes. We take this cup, knowing the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all of our sin. Receive it.
1: Oh.